The resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. Everything hinges on the resurrection. The account in John's Gospel that we just heard is highly detailed. But it gives no real clue as to how the resurrection happened. Nor does it speak of particularly why it happened. In many ways, it's a strange account. And the accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels are strange as well. They all describe a somewhat subdued event. No great pronouncements, no fireworks, no revolutionary activity as a result. The news of the resurrection of Jesus is big and thrilling and unbelievable, but the narrative of the empty tomb hardly seems to do it justice. It's hardly at all about giving us a comprehensive understanding of the resurrection. Instead, what we have is a story of faith. And two big faith questions, I think, arise from this particular telling of the Easter story in John. And those are these questions. What might move someone to faith? And what are you supposed to believe in? So the first question, what might move someone to believe? Well, we begin with Mary. Mary sees the open tomb when she's gone there the first thing in the morning. And her first response is to think that someone has taken Jesus' body. So she runs to tell the disciples. There's a tomb with a stone rolled away. That does not move Mary to believe. Instead, it leads her to make a pretty logical assumption. She decides, without further investigation, to go and tell the disciples that someone had taken away the body. Her assumption makes a lot of sense. It's an assumption that most of us would make. And most of us would make it without further investigation, just like Mary. Most of us do not automatically hope Do not automatically let our guard down and take action in the hope that there is something miraculous taking place. Most of us would not take a closer look to find out if God is in fact up to something. Our basic stance is often to assume that he's not. And quite often, we'll assume something bad before we hope for the improbable good from God. Anyway, Mary goes and she tells the two male disciples, I call them male disciples because we need to remember that Mary is a female disciple. She's a disciple too. Those two come running to the tomb. They come to do further investigation or perhaps more likely to simply corroborate Mary's story. The disciple who Jesus loved wins the foot race to the tomb against Peter, but he doesn't go in right away. Peter goes in. And he notices the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It's rolled up in a place by itself. And there's no response from Peter. Then the other disciple enters and we are told he saw and believed. What was it that moved him to believe? 
Was it that grave robbers probably wouldn't have been so neat and tidy to roll up a head covering and put it in the corner? Well, maybe. Maybe that was all that he needed to move him to belief. In any case, the details of the empty tomb seem to work for one disciple, but not for the other. As the men head back home, Mary is standing outside the tomb, weeping. It always seems a little strange to me that the the one disciple who we're told he believes, he wouldn't have said something to Peter and Mary. Why wasn't he moved enough to say something? Well, we don't know. Mary then, for the first time, looks into the tomb, and she sees two angels in there. And they talk to her. Why are you weeping, they ask. She says to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Notice that Mary does not believe. She presumably sees the neatly folded grave clothes, just like the other two disciples did. And she sees two angels who talk to her. But she continues to stick with her grave robbing story. You see, sometimes some of us will be moved to believe because of seemingly inconsequential details or circumstances. What others wouldn't notice or wouldn't care about at all, like a rolled up piece of cloth. And then sometimes some of us will have an amazing spiritual experience, like seeing and hearing two angels, and we still won't be moved to faith. What's awesome about God is that he just keeps trying with us. Mary turns out of the tomb and she sees Jesus. But she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. She still does not believe. She even addresses him in exactly the same way she did with the angels, asking if he's the one who moved the body. Finally, Jesus says her name, Mary, and she recognizes him. (coughs) As soon as we hear this about Jesus saying her name, uh, we need to know that earlier in John's gospel, there's been this section where Jesus called himself the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And in that place, in verses 3 and 4, Jesus says this. He's talking about himself being like the shepherd who leads his sheep. He says that the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. She believes. She recognizes him. And what's great is that Jesus then commissions her. He sends her, a woman, back to tell the news of his resurrection. And women in that time were not considered particularly credible witnesses. But God chose her. God didn't use the first disciple who came into the tomb and saw and believed. He didn't use him to take the news back. He used Mary who still couldn't tell what was happening, even with the risen Jesus standing right in front of her until he called her by name. My point is this. Different people come to faith differently. And God will keep trying with you, and God will even use you. 
He will do that even when it's taken longer or when it's been a more difficult path for your faith or even when you are the least likely one to be sent by God. In fact, being the least likely or struggling with faith may qualify you even more to be used by God. What might move someone to faith? It could be anything. God uses all kinds of methods. He uses objects, a linen cloth. He uses circumstances, angels, direct encounter with Jesus. He uses calling you by name. But at the very end of our reading, we find out a primary way that God uses. One of the primary ways that God moves someone to faith is by the message being given by another person. This is why Jesus sends Mary. He doesn't appear to absolutely everyone. Not everybody gets the experience of the empty tomb, but he sends Mary with the news back to the disciples. If you are a person of faith, God intends for others to come to faith through you sharing the message with them. Just as Jesus commissioned Mary, so God commissions you once you've come to believe. So we better know what exactly we are supposed to be believing in. And this is the second major question of faith. It isn't merely that we are being asked to believe in the fact of the resurrection of Jesus, although this is really important. The first disciple who saw the grave clothes and believed may have only been really believing in this. He may have just been believing in the fact that Jesus had been raised. Important, but not the whole thing. The encounter, though, between Mary and Jesus points to something more than this. The fact that Jesus was raised was painfully obvious by the end of her encounter. He was standing right there in front of her. That didn't require any real faith. Her faith was in more than the fact of the resurrection. Jesus asks Mary an extra question that the angels didn't ask. The angels just ask, why are you weeping? And Jesus asks the same question, but then he asks this, for whom are you looking? What you are supposed to believe is in some ways the wrong question. It's really a question of who you are supposed to believe in. This may seem obvious, but we miss it because Christians do a lot of believing that. I believe that Jesus is God's son. I believe that he rose from the dead. And we can easily think that we are a Christian when all we have is a bunch of statements or propositions that we think are most likely true. But this isn't the faith God is looking for. The faith God is looking for is a faith in Jesus. It's that you trust Jesus as your Lord. That means is that you trust Jesus as he is the one true God in your life, that you entrust your life to him, that he is in charge of your life. It isn't that you believe certain things about Jesus, although we do believe certain things about him. 
It's that you trust Jesus with yourself. At the very beginning of John's gospel, there are two men who are literally following Jesus around. Jesus is walking around and they are following him. And Jesus turns to them and he asks them, what are you looking for? And their response to Jesus was to say, teacher, same thing that Mary says to him, teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says to them, come and see. And so off they go and those two become disciples of Jesus. Here at the end of the gospel, Jesus asks Mary, not what are you looking for, but who are you looking for? And her response is, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. In other words, I'm looking for Jesus and I know exactly where he's supposed to be. I know where he is going to be staying forever. He's supposed to be in this tomb. Just give him back to me and I'll put him in his right place. She hasn't yet come to her full faith when she says this. Jesus says her name, but then he also says something pretty cryptic to her. Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to my father and your father to my God and your God, but go and tell my brothers that I'm risen. First, Jesus tells her, I don't belong in the tomb. I'm alive. Second, he is saying that it isn't about where he is staying anymore. Like at the beginning of the gospel, Jesus, where are you staying? Come and see. It's not about that anymore. It's actually about where he's going. He is ascending to his Father and God, who is our Father and God. Third, he is no longer saying, come and see at all. He is saying, Mary, go and tell. Jesus is in total control of what is happening on this Easter morning. He has chosen Mary for her to go and tell the message. No one can keep a hold on Jesus anymore. Not Mary and not us. Our faith is not in facts or statements, but in him. The question of faith is, do we trust him? It's not necessarily a question of knowing exactly to the letter what you believe. It's a matter of asking yourself whether you believe in Jesus, whether you trust in Jesus, this risen one. After that, it's a matter of listening, discerning and doing what Jesus sends you to do, living as Jesus asks you to live, and loving as he wishes you to love. Amen.